Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the long-awaited episode 58 of Re-Educating Dad, the cross-generational talk show. Why is it long-awaited? Because the young'uns have been AWOL. Uh, so <laughs> we have had a little gap, but I'm glad to say that Little Tone is back with me today, and she's got lots to tell us about, haven't you, Little Tone? Sure have. <laughs> so, uh, as, I put, as I put out in my little trailer by video earlier today, um, you were going to share some news. I think I don't think you've shared with the listeners yet your your new job role. I was I don't think you were quite able to do that last time. Are you yet in a position to do that? Um, no, I haven't. So yeah, but um, this is my last full week at the Green Door Store, which is pretty emotion. But um, I'm going to be joining Music Venue Trust uh, full time as of next Wednesday, Thursday. I think it's Thursday, first of uh, July. Um, so yeah, lots so of changes going on. So for those who don't know, Green Door is a music venue in Brighton, which I think is pretty well known. And you've been looking after that for how long? Five years. Five years. So I can understand why it's emosh. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a cross-generational um, thing if ever there was and um, music venue trust is a charity uh, uh, that protects grassroots music grassroots music venues yeah and so, you, so, you've so, been doing some work with them sort of on an ad hoc basis for a while right yeah yeah but well i've been working with them since march last year when we went into lockdown uh, just as a sort of thing to do, really, um, to try and help my sector and, um, yeah, I, I guess just meet new people and do some cool things. And I did that with them and uh, I thought it would be coming to an end. And then I got offered a full-time job, which is really exciting. And it's super meaningful work to me. Um, music venues are essential for young people um, and developing talent. So, yeah, it's exciting and obviously your sector the music industry has been heavily hit in terms of the ban on live performances well they they have um delayed the opening up plan haven't they so we were going to be open on the 21st of june i had a full calendar ready to go and then they pushed it back to the 19th of july so i've been frantically rescheduling things again um and uh, this this weekend um, that's just gone by, I went and joined a festival, which was a pilot event to see whether large scale festivals can go ahead this year. So it was instead of being an 80,000 cap festival, which it normally is, it's a um, 10,000 cap festival this weekend. Um, and everyone had to have a lateral flow test that they uh, submitted to the government and then the government sent them a text saying, you know, you've had a negative test or whatever. And you'd, you had to show that test on arrival and scan a QR code as you went in. Um, but then you were pretty much able to just be normal with people. There was no social distancing. There was no masks. It was um, kind of anxiety-inducing and really celebratory as well. Um, I actually started to cry a little bit when I saw a live band because <laughs> wow. I, I was just like, this is what I miss. 
And this was, where was this? Uh, I was at Download Festival um, in Donington, so near Derby. And is there any significance in that name, Download? Yeah, well, Download is a very well-known heavy metal and rock kind of festival. Um, And it's sort of really the highlight of um, mine and my friend's year, really. This is, it's our like, the big thing that we do every year together and you go there and you watch huge bands like you know um i'm trying to think of people that i've seen you know guns and roses and black sabbath and um you know prodigy you know bands like that that you know would have been popular when you were my age dad yes so um so you get the kind of you get all the heritage acts performing but you also get all the this new wave of exciting bands sorry this this new wave this wave of new exciting bands <laughs> i'm so tired mm. um but i mean uh, normally i'd go with a bunch of friends and we'd we'd tent we'd get take camping gear and you know bring in a crate of beer and stuff like that and we would rough it out for about three or four days um but actually my best friend works for a uh very well established management company and so she was she had a a hotel paid for and uh, I got to sleep in a bed and I was able to have like baths and breakfast was included and it was like the champagne lifestyle of the festival so that's that's so much nicer than having being in the mud isn't it well it's definitely a different experience like there is oh something really nice about camping because I don't know, you, you just have to let go of the whole superficial looking tidy and clean and everything. You have to just embrace the dirt and the, and the rain and the mud and stuff like that. Um, there is a sort of charm to it, but getting slightly older and being able to sleep in a bed makes such a difference. Oh, you don't and also have to just being me. able to <laughs> Just being able to have a shower, just being able to have a shower and go there in clean clothes. And, yeah. you know, for instance, um, I, I mean, I wasn't, Normally, I'd go to a festival like that and I'd drink quite a lot of beer. And actually, um, because of going through COVID and stuff like that last year and not, having not quite fully recovered yet, I was, <laughs> I was coming down into the hotel lobby where all these industry people were kind of like, you know, schmoozing and stuff and drinking lots and lots of alcohol. And I was just there with a chamomile tea, you know, in, you know, slouchy, comfy jumper, or just having just come out of a bath. It's very nice. It was really good. So you just mentioned yeah. the dreaded word COVID. And uh, earlier today when you called me, you said, Dad, I've been <laughs> tracked and traced. So tell us, oh my God, tell yeah. us about that. And we, I think so, it's really interesting if you slowly tell us through, talk us through the experience you had. So, okay. So everyone knew that this this uh, festival was a pilot festival. It is the festival where they're testing out how um, COVID is uh, tran- being trans, what's the word? Transmitted in, in, in a crowd. Yes. So um, this is the sort of like test for whether Reading and Leeds can go ahead, whether Latitude can go ahead, like whether all these other massive, you know, green fields and um, I can't think of any other festival name, but but whether those other bigger festivals can go ahead safely. And um, for a minute, I think I arrived and I just felt like, you know, after you get over that initial anxiety of being like, oh, I'm around lots of people, how do I act? 
you just settle back into normality so quickly. You know, you just forget what we've been through for, for the last year. And um, anyway, so I had a, a couple of really great days. I mean, I actually did choose to wear a mask a lot of the time, even though no one else was. So it's probably pointless. But um, I received a alert on my phone from the Track and Trace app um, saying I was at high risk of, um, what did it say? You're at high risk of having caught COVID or, be, or transmitting it. Um, you need to self-isolate for eight days. And I was like, what? What is this about? I've literally not been anywhere. I, I'd only... I'd, signed in you know with the qr code into the festival i'd done a lateral flow test that day you know i, I was like i don't understand no one no one else around me had had got it yeah um and and just to the, be sorry, just to be alert just to be clear you've had covid i've had covid i've been double double vaxxed yes and and, right. and not even double vaxxed recently i'm well over the three week period you know mm -hmm. of let, letting it you know build up antibodies um, so I was just like, what on earth is this? Why am I getting this? I haven't been anywhere that my friends haven't been. I don't really understand. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I went and spoke to the medical tent and the policy was very, very strict on if you get track and traced, you need to leave the festival. You need, that's how they were. Did, did you wish you hadn't been to the medical tent? Uh, no, I don't because that's how this this horrible virus is being spread so it's sure. by people not being honest but yeah. it did make me feel like there was possibly a flaw uh in the system because a lot of people <laughs> because, probably wouldn't have done a lot of people may have ignored it right yeah i mean i think it's difficult to ignore it because once you've downloaded the app and the gps is enabled they know where you are so if you're mm. if you're caught if you're caught not not isolate not self-isolating you're, you face a fine of £1,000 and upwards. So right. um, it's a very big financial risk to not self-isolate. But the problem is, is that I got this alert a five-hour drive away from where I live and I was someone else's lift home. And my, the, my friend who basically, who got my best friend who got me in, uh, her management company were responsible for most of the bands that were playing this festival because they were all uh uk based bands right um so she ne she needed to stay and she needed to kind of like support her bands and stuff like that so i ended up basically self-isolating in the hotel waiting for her to, <laughs> to finish so i could drive us home um we had tried to work her out a different way of getting home but we, we yeah we weren't able to work it out um, especially since she'd already been staying in the hotel with me, we'd already come up in a car together. The likelihood is, is that she probably, if I, if I had COVID, she would have it too. So it made sense for us to travel back together. However, the, the, the law, the law is the le the legal side of it is, is that they, she doesn't actually need to test or be tested unless she starts present, unless I start presenting symptoms. So because I didn't have symptoms, she didn't have to self-isolate and she didn't have to do a test. Right. Okay. We were, we were doing tests bit. every day. Yeah, we were doing tests every day anyway, mm -hmm. because we just thought it was a, a sensible thing to do. 
Um, but those lateral flow tests, they aren't, they aren't that um, accurate. So, well, while I was on my own, I had a lot of time to research this stuff. Yeah. So um, I, ha- I had a look into the lateral flow tests and then they're just not that accurate. I mean, they, they're something like 50 something percent, I think. And um, it, it, they said something like it's 90 something percent at uh, giving you an accurate negative result. But okay. um, some, some, it's different for if you're positive. Okay. Um, so um, anyway, I, I st- stayed in the hotel and I was like, I really want to understand how this app works and how I ended up getting track and trace. And basically the track and trace asks you to isolate, I think for a maximum of 10 days. And so because it told me eight days, I could subtract eight days from 10 and work out what day I, I was, you know, came into contact with someone. And it turns out that it was on Thursday last week and it was when I was on the train. And uh, it's just interesting because I've had quite a few conversations with people recently about um, uh, how people aren't wearing masks on the train anymore. Right. There are no ticket officers checking people's tickets and they aren't asking people to put their masks on. There's just no sort of like enforcement's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? There's no sort of supervisor going up and down, you know, having a presence. Saying you need to wear a mask to people. Yeah. And so I've been very kind of like, I I don't like taking the train, but the problem is, is I've not quite got used to commuting, driving five days a week again. So I was very tired last week and I made the decision to take the train because I was too tired to drive. Um, And, um, I just noticed that the, the trains were really busy. People weren't wearing masks. I mean, people are literally holding their masks in their hand, like so they're waiting to be told off and just like put it back on again. But they're just chancing not wearing it. And I just, it, I don't understand it. But um, if, you, if you get told that you're high risk, if you're at high risk um, of be, having been in contact with someone with COVID, that means that your GPS on your phone is picked up that you are within two meters of someone who is infectious based on their data that they've given the app. So that, so that, for instance, when someone is infectious, they, you have to tell the government app that you, when you started having symptoms. Right. And normally when you start having symptoms, you're, you're contagious for about a week, you know, three to five days. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be longer if you've got a fever or, or if you have diarrhea or something like that. But, um, it's very, it's pretty accurate in telling you when you you're contagious. And so I was basically standing within two meters of someone that was contagious for at least 15 minutes. Yeah. So it's pretty smart actually. That's very clever. Yeah. I mean, so, so the app is, is aware that you're within less than two meters, two meters or less of someone who, and, and that's for a period of 15 minutes, which is the, crucial once you get over the 15 minutes then you move into a danger period don't danger yeah, exactly so, exactly so. and the, and but the, the, obviously there are again there are kind of flaws in the system because within that two meters there could be a wall in between you or there could be glass in between you or you know you could be facing different directions you could be both wearing masks so it isn't like a hundred percent no you know that it's, it's, it's just giving it's do. just flat yeah it's just flagging up that you could potentially be at risk um so th- yeah so basically i was at the festival 
I asked the medical tent and, and I got, they were really kind and they, and they, I think that they acted absolutely in the correct way, but they had to tell me that they had to escort me off of the, out of the festival. I literally had two, two security guards, like in full, like neon outfits, you know, walking me out of the festival. And, uh, I, and they, I did, there was no back route or anything. So I had to go literally through the whole of the public area. So the walk of shame, the walk of shame. Basically, I was like, <laughs> just started a fight with someone. Don't mind me. Or, you know, I'm a celebrity. Yeah. It's fine. But I got, we were laughing and stuff. So it wasn't bad, but I basically walked, um, they walked me out. They, they escorted me all the way to my car and then they cut, you, you know, you get a wristband when you go to a festival. Do you know that? I, no, I sort of knew that. Yeah. You, so, you, so for instance, I had a wristband that said production on it. Yeah. So the, you, there, was a cere- there was a ceremonial cutting of your, is that what you're going to say? Yeah. It, <laughs> it, he cut my, cut my production pass off me. It felt very like, like, I don't know, humiliating. I don't know. They were, they were sweet though. They were nice people. And they were like, we're really sorry. It was a bit strange with me because they knew that the circumstances were different. Yeah. Um, they knew that I wasn't presenting symptoms um, that I've been double vaxxed, that, you know, I've already had COVID and I'm I, within eight, eight months, which means that you have some level of, you have strong antibodies basically up, I think up until eight months, but they were just like, unfortunately, because it's a pilot and because the, they've been so clear on what the rules are, we have to ask you to leave. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God. But, um, so anyway, I went and, um, I went back to the hotel and basically quarantined in a room and just ate a sandwich and watched some, you know, TV or read, read oh, basically I researched how the app worked. Um, they don't, just uh, talking about your research, they don't tell you that you were standing on a train or anything like that, that, that you deduce that from the amount of time that they asked you to isolate, you therefore work that backwards. Um, yeah, I mean, ba- basically it's, it's quite easy for me because I do, I'm not often in places with lots of people. So, um, you know, normally I would leave my house here, get in the car on my own, drive to work, sit in a venue on my own and then drive home. So I'm, I, I don't even do the, uh, Tom does all of the um, supermarket shopping and stuff like that. So I'm like never really around lots of people. Um, but because of, yeah, the timeline, I was able to go back and I remember being on the train that day and, and I had been on the train another day as well that week but it was so quiet and I was not nowhere near anyone um but on the spe- that specific day it was rammed on the train home um yeah I mean it was so rammed that there were about six people and you know in the, in between the sets of seats that you've got the doors yeah. there were about six people standing up in the door area including me and I was like this doesn't feel safe and I literally turned around and I stood with my face towards the glass. Yeah, that's how yeah, busy so, it well, was. Well, hopefully you're you're hopefully you're 100 okay because you you clearly haven't got any symptoms. You're double vaxxed and all, you know. So well, well, the problem is, is good. I do have symptoms, but the symptoms that I have are long COVID symptoms. So right. I'm still, I've got really sore throat and I've got a cough, like a, a, a something of nothing cough basically. But I've had that since I've had COVID. Yeah. So yeah, um, I wouldn't say that they're new ones. So, um, cause, because the, th- the whole thing about what the government here has been saying about the vaccinations is that if you're, if you're double vaccinated, you are like very, very low risk of even spreading 
but of course what we don't know is whether the person that you were you know that you that you that you were close to for that more than 15 minutes we don't know whether they were vaccinated possibly they weren't but the point is that the people who are double vaxxed are supposed to be okay in terms of not only contracting the disease but also in terms of spreading it so it's difficult to really to understand um, it's difficult for me to understand why we are we are still so closed up and we're extend you know we we we've, we've extended the freedom day by uh, by an extra month and of course there's people are up in arms about that i mean there's a, there's a whole a mm. revolt in parliament about it businesses are going berserk you know mm. andrew lloyd webber is saying come and arrest me i'm going to open my shows <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you've got all this going on, and I and, it, and it's difficult because I, I was talking to uh, friends in um, in the United States um, just in the last hour or so, and I was asking them about the restrictions there, and that they're pretty much totally opened up. They, they've got all the stadiums going, you know, big big events going on. Um, people really are not wearing masks. Uh, on the whole, um, and you know they're not in, they're not experiencing a lot of infection, a high infection rate, uh, or at least I, you, it's you not, know what? Yeah, go on. It's I've sorry. I, I, you know, if I was to hazard a guess, I, I just think our hygiene in the UK is not good. I really think that we have poor hygiene here. We're overpopulated because obviously in the, in America there is more space. There's definitely more space. People have bigger houses. People, you know. I mean, and, and that's why when you, that's why places like New York were the epicenter because they were highly populated areas where people were living in small spaces on top of each other. But, you know, the majority of the US is quite spread out. So I think that it's, I feel like our burden in the UK is that we, um, A, aren't very good with personal hygiene. Definitely think that's a factor. And also um, there's just so many of us here. Well, I'm not sure. You know, how, just... I'm not sure how personal hygiene really impacts on this. I mean, it's an it's an air it's an aerosol spread. It's a disease that's spread through the air. Um, well, it's not just spread that way. It's spread by contact as well. You know, people. One of the main uh, factors about you have to be careful when you're infectious with COVID is using the toilet, using the kitchen, because those are areas in which you can pass the the, the yeah, infection my, around. My understanding is that that is. Qu- quite a low and tenuous means of tran- transmission by far the greatest transmission is through the air all right um, well hand washing then what's the point in washing hands well i, I think it's i think it's out an abund- out of an abundance of caution but the, the point is um that we we are being told over and over and over again just how how the vaccines have saved us the success of the vaccines. I mean, they're That's unbelievable. That's branding, though. But That's not really, because they are, according to the science, the, the, the success rate is unbelievable, really. I mean, it's, it's just about the best ever that, that has been, been produced by a vaccine, it, not only in terms of contracting the disease, but also in terms of transmitting it to other people. And the fact that the they are in the US behaving in, in, a, in a much more... Um, well, that they have opened up a lot quicker than we have, uh, I think is is very significant. But the 
you know, I, I think they're holding back because they want to get the, the proportion of people who are double vaccinated up and they want to use this month between now and the 19th, you know, the next Freedom Day, which is now said to be the absolute will definitely happen. And I think it will. I have no faith happen. in that. I have no faith in the plan whatsoever. Well, it's, I, I, it's I think it's changing. I think it will definitely happen. Uh, and I think it's, it will be, we will be resting heavily on the success of the vaccines. And I think we are right to rest heavily on the success of the vaccines. But we do come to the point of, uh, and I think, and I'd like to get your views on this, because there was a lot in the news last week about the government uh, taking the step or, want, or, or moving towards the step of requiring staff in care homes to be vaccinated or risk losing their jobs. Now, to my mind, I want to get your view, but to my mind, that's an absolute no-brainer. They're looking after you know, the most vulnerable people in our society. Uh, they've chosen to do this job. It's quite clear that vaccination is the, the thing that is going to protect those elderly or, and frail people. <laughs> How, is, how, how can there even be any discussion about this? What do you think? Well, I don't think anything's clear when it comes to COVID. I think there are so many layers of nuance. Um, I think that uh, there's a human rights issue there because vaccines should be taken by choice, not, at, not because they're being forced on you. Um, well, let me deal with that point straight away. Uh, just because I'll forget it because I'm old, if if you go on. Um, the, the, the point is um, that there is a human rights issue and they do have a right to choose and nobody can force anyone or should be in a position to force someone to have a vaccine. But their choice is, if they de will not have a vaccine, then they can't do that job. Yeah, but when you're talking to someone like what my sister who's a nurse and has been a nurse for many years and is very experienced in what she does and you're telling her she can't do the job that she went to uni for paid to do a degree in and is super experienced and is a specialist in a certain field that she can't do it anymore because she's choosing not to take a vaccine when she's choosing not to take it because she wants to get pregnant because that's her right as a as a woman a human being there's definitely an issue there. Yeah, but she's and not also, the kind of person, surely. And I, I don't think she is. The, pity she's not here, so she could actually give us a view on this. But she's surely not the kind of person that would therefore go into, you know, the uh, go into close proximity to frail people, having made that choice, knowing well, that that's the, her job. Yeah, that but, her job is yeah, to go and work with frail people. But you know. Yeah, but dad, dad, a lot of these, a lot of these NHS workers have seen adverse reacts of the adverse reactions to the vaccine, and it has made them not want to have it. And they're not being spoken about. There are a lot of people that are having very bad reactions to the vaccine, and it's not it's being kept out of the, you know, uh, mainstream media because I I believe that it's being kept out because the government don't want to. Uh, you know kind of like people to be encouraged to not have it because they need people to have it I think that what I've just gone through with this festival and being in you know being track and trace will be the ultimate test of whether the vaccine works or not 
because I've literally stood next to someone that's contagious for up to 15 minutes. So if it doesn't work for me, then I think it might change my view on the vaccines completely. If it doesn't work for you. Yeah. If I contract yeah. it again, because yeah. I'm basically, I had a PCR test this morning. Yeah. If I, I think if I get through this period and I don't have any symptoms and I don't have any health problems, um, then, then I will be pretty much sold on the vaccine. It being a success but, because but, but, I'm but exactly the kind of person that needs to, protect but are you not more driven by data than by anecdotal evidence absolutely not no really and that's where you and i you and i differ because um i don't fit into statistics i am i am i have a super rare disease that only a few thousand no, people no, have in the whole world about your individual situation i'm talking about making decisions for society as a whole the good decisions for society as a whole yeah, but I don't believe I don't I don't agree with just making decisions for society as a whole because I think that there's lots and lots of people that fall into a category that don't fit in the the, the whole group. I think that okay. everyone should be valued. All right, but if, okay, so if I think that the the government um, worth have been th thinking along the lines that if people have a valid reason for not being vaccinated for instance there are some people who are allergic and are given medical advice that they should not take the vaccine there are such yeah. people yeah um i'm okay with someone in that position you know as, as long as they the other precautions are put in place to protect the people that they're working with like the frail mm. and the elderly I'm okay with them not having the, the vaccine and still keeping their job. But their role is, it seems to me that their role would have to be subject to restrictions in order to protect, protect the, those people who they yeah, are. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, I'd only half made a point when I first started. The, the first part of my point was that I think there's a human rights issue there. I think people should be able to choose whether they want to take the risk yep. or not that comes with do, taking a vaccine or or the risk with you know having covid or not potentially getting covid um but the other point i was going to make is to me it does seem it does seem uh, like a sensible move to ask people in care homes to have the vaccine um sorry people that are carers in, in care homes um because they are the most vulnerable category of people and they need to be protected but i do think that there are ways of protecting them without having without forcing people to take the vaccine. And I think that that is really good PPE. Sure. I'm talking like has, hazmat suits. <laughs> Going back to the USA, um, the, you're aware of the NFL. Uh, oh, what happened? Oh, I, I just, I just, sorry about that. I just clicked on an article. And he's doing a, research. He's doing uh, research. He's supposed, this is supposed to be a candid uh, conversation. Uh, no, no. I, well, it, it is candid, but I'm just looking, I'm clicking on this. Uh, uh, I was told by my American friend about this particular case. There's an NFL player, um, football player in the United States, very famous guy, very successful guy called Cole Beasley. And he's come out against the, uh, the, the NFL League's pandemic protocol, which requires all the staff and players uh, to be uh, vaccinated. Um, and he says point blank, I'm not getting vaccinated. And he goes on to give this rather sort of illiterate kind of explanation that he'd rather 
Don't say that. That's I'm, very, I'm, very snobby. It, it is illiteral. It is illiteral. I mean, it, it's incoherent in, in any intellectual way because he's saying, I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. Well, that's fine. Uh, you know, that's I, not I, I, I understand that position. I, I meant intellectually incoherent. I understand that position. But he doesn't actually give a reason for not... Nowhere in this article, which is in The Independent, um, nowhere can I see him giving any kind of reason for not being vaccinated. And they're saying that uh, only vaccinated players, that that's the NFL, uh, are saying that only vaccinated players will be allowed to eat meals as a group, leave their hotels when they're traveling to meet with fans and the media, and use saunas and steam rooms among other activities. Now, that seems to me to be totally sensible. So he can, he can opt not to be vaccinated, but he is going to be subject to a lot of things, you know, protocols that are going to make his life more difficult. And he's not giving any kind of reason. I'm sure there's lots of other people like this who are just basically standing on their high, high horse and just saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to be told I have to be vaccinated. You know, this is this is for the this is for the good of all of us as a species. You know, it seems to me that there's a a, a moral obligation on all of us, subject to those cases that we've discussed. You know, where people obviously can't for a very good reason. I think people should get vaccinated, and I think we need to get out of this situation. We need Freedom Day to come. We need to be able to travel again. We need to be able to live our lives. And he's the one who keeps saying, "I want to live my life." But actually, this is what stops you from living your life normally, but is by taking this rather absurd view, I think, of the vaccination. So that that's uh, my view anyway. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's, it's absurd. I don't think he needs to explain himself for not wanting to take it. Uh, I don't think any of your other daughters are going to take it. I think I'm the only one that's taken it. Yeah, well, I, I, that doesn't alter my position. No, but, I, but, but, no, I don't but what I'm saying it. is that... I, you know, I just don't understand well, you, it. You, you, can, you can understand it in the way that at least two of them want to have children and they don't feel comfortable having a, yeah, that's a vaccination that's relatively new. That's a valid um, reason. I accept that. That's a valid reason. And we all have to manage our risk. I mean, you know, it, I, I don't have... You know, not, I'm not going to not see my daughters because they haven't been vaccinated. I'm managing my risk. I'm assessing my risk, and we all have a responsibility to do that. But I think that you know, people in care homes and and people who are serving the serving the public uh, on you know seeing a lot of having contact with a large number of people, they need to they need to step up and get their vaccines. And we need. I to, think more than the vaccine thing for me, people need to wear their freaking masks. Yeah, like the fact well, that people aren't vaccinated and they're choosing not to wear their masks is really just like selfish yeah well um, masks have a place too but we want to start getting back to living normally and and i think masks are a big barrier to living normally Um, they are a barrier but they are it is a transit it's a transition isn't it yes it's been a long transition and i agree with you on that you know while we're still in while we're still not fully vaccinated as a a species or not or not sufficiently fully vaccinated i think the masks must be used but I think we have to get this whole thing in perspective. You know, the causes of death daily, uh, our daily COVID deaths now are down to, you know, just just into double figures. I mean, 10, I think, is the average for the past week or so. You know, we have 450 uh, daily cases of death from cancer. 
170 daily cases of death from heart disease. I think those are the figures for the UK. And we have now 10, you know, COVID deaths. So let, let, let's, uh, let's get real about this um, and let, let's get our freedoms back. That's what I say. Anyway. How I do you feel about Boris now? <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm, I'm a supporter of Boris. He's doing brilliantly in the polls, no matter what the media are saying about him. He's doing very, very well. He's unassailable at the moment. He's, he's a bumbler. He makes errors. He's a human being. But that <coughs> I like about Excuse I me. like the fact that he's a human being. I like that he's not this you know this ro- political robot that is pushed out and he, he bumbles and you know he's a bumbler and uh, and uh, he makes mistakes. Fine, I don't I don't mind. But he's a human being and I I, I support and him. I like him. But <laughs> I do have reservations. I I am worried about his his dilly dallying on opening up now because i'm we have a re- we are facing a really serious economic position really serious it's going to stretch on and on and on you know for generations getting over this and we have to open up yeah i mean i think that's absolutely essential anyway we've definitely come to the end of our time we are still without grand grandson ben um and but we're hoping because he's working today thank goodness somebody's working um <laughs> Uh, so uh, we hope to see him back very very soon thank you for sharing uh, little tone your experience which i think was fascinating i hope our listeners uh, will will get a lot out of that understanding the way that works i actually downloaded the have you got the nhs app by the way that one where you can prove that you're double vaccinated i've yeah. got both yeah uh, I think that was it, the other annoying thing because <laughs> like yeah anyway go on because I, th- I think they've been unclear about that. They, Matt Hancock was on Andrew Marr a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, oh, the NHS app now allows you to do that. But what he didn't say was it's a different NHS a app. separate app, so The yeah. COVID one, that's not being clear. It still isn't being made clear. So anybody out there, if you want to be able to prove that you're double vaccinated, uh, you need to get the NHS app, not the NHS COVID app. Um, so uh, that's an um, interesting piece of useful information, I hope. So thank you, dear listeners. It's been lovely to get back talking with you again. We'll, have, we'll be back again soon with some more very interesting topics. But for now, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Oh, you're still awake. Good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I remembered I was on a podcast. I was like, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> okay. See you all again soon. Bye for now.